to Luther's world of cryptids, ghosts, and the unexplained. If you're into strange things that fly above us in the skies, or creepy things that go bump in the night, then you have come to the right place. Much like cryptid creatures or folklore tales, they all have a home here, and so do you in Luther's world. This one goes to 11. <laughs> Let's get going with another edition of I Never Thought It Would Happen To Be Real Stories Told by the People That Had The Encounters. First we hear from Dean Alexander from Kansas City. He tells us about spirits that may have been following him. Then we head out to the coast, to Oregon, a place that I know very well. And a friend of the show, Gritty, tells us about what he saw on a family vacation. My name is Dean Alexander. I'm from Kansas City, and this is my story. So, I worked for the railroad for the last 10 years. <clears throat> a few years back, uh, I used to hang out outside what's called 22 Wash. So there's 22 Wash and 21 Paint. 21 was a paint building where they uh, painted locomotives. They look like they're attached, but they're not. There's actually a little walkway in between, but there's lights there to light the paint building. So if you really wanted to walk through, you'd have to zigzag. And If you ran through and I just ran a straight line, I'd beat you. So anyway, I used to kill time and hide out behind 22 Wash. I'm on my phone and I just feel like someone's watching me. So I tuck my phone down, I look. There's another building about 50 yards in front of me. I'm looking to see if there's a foreman, you know, looking after me. Don't see anything, so I just go back to my phone, but I feel someone watching me. So then I just happen to look over, and I see something just kind of do this number, like it just ducked in between. I hightailed it through 22 wash. I would have cut off whoever was running through there. But no one ever showed up. Like, I went back and I looked, and there's no one there. I didn't see anyone walking away from the area. It was wild. But it was break time anyway, so I went upstairs to the locker room, you know, where I used to just go to the restroom, hang out by my locker, play on my phone until it's time to go back down on the floor. Well, there's, I was alone up there, but I didn't feel alone. That's the first time, I, only first and only time I'd ever felt like that in that locker room, restroom area. It's just weird. I wasn't alone. So that was thursday so it was my friday i had friday and saturday off and it was actually memorial weekend i lived with two buddies they had already left that thursday night so get off work go home it feels a little weird i'm showering and stuff and i always stayed at my girlfriend's house and she was just lived a couple blocks over so i went over to her apartment i'm just you know get in there sneak into bed and i i still don't feel alone it feels like something's right outside the door just ready to come in so then I have the whole day, Friday, and that's when I do my uh, laundry, do my grocery shopping, my meal prep, all that stuff. And I don't tell anybody about any of this. Like, I'm texting my girlfriend all day, but I don't I never tell her any of this. So anyway, I'm watching TV throughout the day, and I would just hear something. You know, I could just hear people talking. I'd, I'd pause it, and what I would hear is, he doesn't know here, he doesn't know here, shh, shh, shh. That's what I heard all day. Like I would actually physically pause my TV and I would hear nothing. I would, I would just hear that shh, pipe down. So I don't tell anybody this whole time. Girlfriend comes over that night. We're watching 
uh, TV. And if I'm sitting in the, if I'm sitting in the, the couch, the door's right behind us, and the stairs to go upstairs is right behind us. TV's off in the corner, and straight ahead of me is the fireplace. The whole time we're watching TV, I'm looking at the fireplace so I can see behind me because I just feel weirded out. Out of nowhere, unprompted, my girlfriend just goes, does it feel like someone's watching us? I lose my breath. I get goosebumps. I start to tear up. And I tell her everything that happened, you know, from the day before and all that. And she goes, yeah, well, there's definitely something here. She goes, let's just go to bed. We go upstairs, go to bed. But it feels like, man, there's something right outside my door. And it's just creepy. We get up the next morning, a little weird. Like I said, it was Memorial weekend, so we go up, spend some time uh, at my family's place. Come back home that night, it's a completely different house. I don't know what the deal was, but it was just a completely different house, completely different energy. I don't know what that was, but I've never felt anything like that ever again. Luther's world of cryptids, ghosts, and the unexplained. I have a story for you. This is not just a story, this is something that I went through when I was, um, I think I was like 12 years old. I used to live in uh, Oregon, upper west coast of the United States, and my family and I, I would say every, every summer vacation we would take a trip to the coast. Um, and I remember this one time we went to the coast, uh, we would always listen to rock music and stuff my dad was a was in his own rock band and such he also was a golden gloves boxing champion so he was he was a, a beefy guy um he he wasn't he wasn't like some small time guy <laughs> so he wasn't scared of much but i remember this one time we went to the coast we went to a um um a lighthouse a lighthouse that had this long path and it had bunnies and stuff that were hopping around on the path and we used to love going there and we went there this one time and my uh my family my whole family was just like loving the the bunnies and and all that and i was looking and it was on this gigantic cliff just like what you're seeing next to me um gigantic cliff and i i went to the the side and and there wasn't a fence there was, um, have you ever seen where they put this like rebar into the ground and then they just put like plastic fencing on it? That's what there was there because they didn't, they hadn't built a full on fence yet. So there was just like a piece of plastic between me and like certain death. So I was just like holding on to the plastic and looking over and I looked down and there was, like you could just see there's a whole part that the ocean has carved out over thousands of years um, and there were just these little tunnels not, not tunnels but like caves that were uh, carved out by the ocean itself and I'm just looking down and I'm seeing the ocean crashing waves crashing but then um, further down from that like further into the to where it had already cut out this gigantic piece it was it was kind of like a low tide time in that place i saw these caves where it wasn't completely filled up with water or anything like that and i look over and there's a woman standing in one of these caves and and i knew that i was looking at a ghost at that point because 
nothing nothing was moving like she had she had a an outfit on uh, uh it was like a like a, a outfit that would have been flowing like you could tell that there was there was some fabric to it uh her hair was long but it wasn't moving at all and, and it's really windy at this coast i don't know if you've ever been to a uh to to the coast but I'm not kidding. It, it was windy as heck, and I looked down, and everything else was blowing. Uh, the the water was coming through, but she was like untouched by anything. And I knew at that moment that I was looking at a ghost. And I looked down there, and she's looking right at me. And I knew that she wanted me to like figure out what happened to her. Like, it, her, the way she was staring at me, I wasn't, I wasn't scared, but I knew that I was looking at a ghost. I knew I was looking at a, a person who had already died and wanted me to, like, try to solve her murder or something. And to this day, I haven't really looked into it because I'm worried what will happen. Because, you, you know how it is when, when you look into something like this. There are people in these small towns, small, uh, you know, coastal towns and such, and if you start looking too deep into it, you can be next. So I've always been really worried to look into it, but I'm, I, I know for a fact I was looking at a ghost. Nothing was moving. Her hair wasn't flowing in the wind. She wasn't worried. She was just standing in the cave, staring right at me. And uh, I, I, to this day, haven't looked into it, but maybe you can look into it. Maybe, maybe she won't be worried about you, Luther. <laughs> but this is my story. Uh, I never told my mom, I never told my, my, uh, my dad, I never told anybody until I got on to live streaming. So maybe you guys can help me. Maybe you guys can look it up. Maybe there have been, maybe there's a death that has happened on Oregon's coast that you guys can help me solve and we can get to the bottom of this. But that is my story for Luther, man. Thank you very much, Luther, for this opportunity. Luther's world of cryptids, ghosts, and unexplained. You guys got to check it out. Hook it up. Much love. Catch you guys next time. This is Gritty Urban Saga on Twitch, on YouTube. Look me up. Hook it up. It's time now for the paper trail. I read about a UFO landing in the woods. Serpentico pays us a visit and he reads about a father's visit to his son and Drexel, well he's going to tell us a little fishing tale. The paper trail. Letter sent in by you. Letter number one. This happened in the early 1970s. When I was around 10 years old, there had been a number of UFO sightings in our hometown of Easton, Pennsylvania over a couple of weeks. People saw lights in the sky that would hover for a while and then quickly zip off into the distance. Most people thought that it was caused by pollution from the Pfizer chemical plant which had covered the area in brick red suit. There was a large hill with a park and a picnic ground on the top. Upper Hackett's Park. That was where people thought the UFOs hovered. At the bottom of the hill was another park, Lower Hackett's Park, and the two were connected by a hiking trail that ran through the woods. 
My friend's teenage brother wanted to go check it out after school and told us we could come along. It wasn't a far walk to get to the lower park, maybe a mile from our neighborhood. I had been to the park before, but never on a weekday afternoon. It seemed strangely quiet, and no one was there. Part of the parking lot had been fenced off, and a bunch of old military trucks were parked there. We found the bottom of the trail and started walking. We walked for a while, and I wondered what we expected to find. Then my friend's brother started shouting, Look! Look! Through the woods we could see something silver, glowing like sunlight reflect reflecting off of chrome. It was sitting still, but also moving. It looked like a flying saucer had landed on the ground, and it was spinning in place. We could only catch glimpses of it through the trees, so we left the trail and started walking through the woods towards it. As we got closer, the woods suddenly caught fire. It wasn't big or dramatic, just some dry brush directly in front of us started burning. That was enough to make us stop and freak us out. We ran back to the trail, and a man was standing there waiting for us. He wore what looked like a park ranger uniform, beige and green, but he had no patches or insignia. This wasn't a national park, though. There, there were no rangers around here. The man accused us of starting the fire. We looked back, and it seemed like it was out. The UFO was gone. The man said that we were in trouble and that we were going to be arrested and sent to juvenile detention. So we ran. I didn't stop until I was all the way home. None of us ever mentioned it again to each other or anyone else. Thanks for sending that in. Welcome back to another edition of The Paper Trail. I am Serpentico and I'm going to read stories you sent in. Like this one. Many years back I was in Louisiana visiting my father's grave. When I went up to the grave, I heard my father's voice coming from behind me. Then out of nowhere, it starts to rain over his grave and only his grave. After that, from beyond the grave, I saw a figure that just looked just like my father. When I went to my uncle and asked who he was, he couldn't even see it. He couldn't even see the rain. He said no to everything. Oh, this might get a little dark. Growing up, my father abused me, and we, me and him were never close. So what I'm asking is this, was that my dad telling me he was sorry for everything? That's what I really want to know, because I've been questioning this my whole life. Was he sorry? <laughs> Sincerely, Ethan T. Ethan, that could very well be it. As long as you have a little bit of closure, that's all that matters. Greetings and salivations. I'm Drexel, homicidal artist, pro wrestler, deathmatch darling. <laughs> and I'm here for another Letters to Luther. This one says, Hi Luther. I got a little story here. Hopefully it's useful, but it's all good if it's not exciting enough. Don't you tell me what's exciting. I'll be the judge of that. 
I was hiking in Yosemite National Park around 2014 or so, and I was with a friend. We're on our way back down from the top of Yosemite Falls, and we reached Columbia Point. It's about two-thirds of the way down the mountain, around 7 p.m. or so. Maybe a little under two hours of hiking left to go. The sun had already gone down, so we decided to sit down, take a break, eat a snack, maybe uh, smoke a little, <clears throat> yeah, you know. We were both completely sober. We hadn't smoked yet, and we're just sitting there at the edge of the cliff, just talking and looking at the stars. And all of a sudden, I see this bright shooting star, which went from the upper right of the area of the sky I was facing all the way down towards the bottom left. And I was like, hey, hey, shooting star. So my friend could see. He was looking away. He looked up. And we both saw that same shooting star reverse directions and shoot back where it came from before it just disappears. And we both spent several minutes just in shock going, whoa, you just saw that, right? Like, we hadn't light shooting yeah i've always believed humans on earth are not the only life in the universe but i've also always been skeptical of ufo sightings and similar stuff as just you know entertainment this was pretty convincing for me though i had never seen something like that before or since neither of us could think of anything that caused that it was pretty clear and pronounced and covered a lot of distance very quickly that's my story. Good luck with your show. I've enjoyed seeing you on AEW. Let me know if you have any other questions. I don't care if you use my name or not, but it's Tig. Be well. Well, thanks, Tig. And, you know, keep your eye at the stars. And when you're out hiking, look for the footprints. The big, big, big footprints. I'm Drexel, and that is another letter to Luther. <laughs> if you have a story that you want to share on the show. Film yourself telling your tale or write it out in full detail and email it to me at luthersworldmail at gmail.com and we'll use it on a future chapter. This is AEW superstar Darius Martin and you're watching Luther's World. It's time for cryptids of the world. We're in the Andes Mountains and we hear about the El Curo. The El Curo is a South American lake monster and it is seen in the Chilean glacier lake of Lalcar in the Andes Mountains. El Curo means hide or the leather. It is said to have a wide pectoral fins and a tail that its eyes are on stalks and its mouth is expandable. It's reported to have razor sharp claws along its fingers which it uses to secure its prey. It's said to range from two to five feet across and weigh more than 65 pounds. The monster supposedly can surge out of the water and it will cover up its victims and then punctures the skin and sucks out all the internal organs. There have been many reported attacks from this creature over the years and one was of a woman that was washing clothes at the lake and she had a baby nearby sleeping and according to her the monster jumped out of the water wrapped up the baby and drug it back into the lake did this really happen or did this lady simply just drown her own baby no one will ever really know what happened that day but her but what we do know is this monster is a cryptid of the world. Lonnie Olson, he is back with another Bigfoot tale. 
in this installment of The Storytellers. From the headlines, the Weekly Arkansas Gazette, Little Rock, Arkansas, May 30th, 1851. A wild man of the woods, the Memphis Inquirer gives an account of a wild man recently discovered in Arkansas. It appears that during March last, Mr. Hamilton of Green County, Arkansas, while hunting with an acquaintance, observed a drove of cattle in a state of apparent alarm, evidently pursued by some dreaded enemy. Halting for the purpose, they soon discovered, as the animals fled by them, that they were followed by an animal bearing the unmistakable likeness of humanity. He was of gigantic stature, the body being covered with hair, and on head was long locks that fairly enveloped his neck and shoulders. The wild man, after looking at them deliberately for a short time, turned and ran away with great speed, leaping from 12 to 14 feet at a time. His footprints measured 13 inches each. This singular creature, the inquirer says, has long been known traditionally in St. Francis Green and Poinsett counties. Sportsmen and hunters having described him 17 years since. A planter indeed saw him very recently, but withheld his information, lest he should not be credited until the account of Mr. Hamilton and his friends placed the existence of the animal beyond Gaville. A great deal of interest is felt in this matter by the inhabitants of the region, and various conjectures have been ventured in regard to him. The most generally entertaining idea appears to be that he is a survivor of the earthquake disaster which desolated the region in 1841. Thrown helpless upon the wilderness by the disaster, it is probable that he grew up in the savage state until he now bears only the outward resemblance of humanity. So well authenticated have now become the accounts of this creature that an expedition is organized in Memphis by Colonel David C. Cross and Dr. Sullivan to scout him. This has been From the Headlines. Thank you to the great folks over at the Kentucky Bigfoot Research Organization for allowing us to show you these eyewitness interviews. You can check out their page at KentuckyBigfoot.com. They have a lot of cool stuff there. They offer guided Bigfoot outings and will also let you know about any conferences that they will be having or conferences that maybe you are around where you live. So check them out. This interview was done by Don Neal. It happened in August of 1983. So here is 6-year-old veteran and former Marine Bob. And this is his Bigfoot encounter. Enjoy. Uh, I'm uh, Bobby May. Uh, 68. I, I'm 68 years old. And uh, in the year of 83, uh, I witnessed a uh, encounter. Uh, I was squirrel hunting at the time and I'd shot this squirrel to fell the tree and, and I was waiting how to get it out and all that but uh, upon upon my arrival at that tree uh, I heard three knocks. It was down about maybe 75 yards so it, it, was, it, was, it was away from me and I heard three knocks. Well I waited there a little bit and, and uh, about another 45 minutes later I heard uh, uh, three more knocks, and I thought to myself, I said, "Well, somebody put up a fence," and I thought, I said, "Well, this is this is uh, 
uh, grain bearing ground. I said, you know, they got uh, soybean and and, and, uh, and corn. So I said, well, I'm gonna go look at this and just just see what that was. So when I walked down in the flats, there was uh, kind of like little cane poles uh, uh, flowered up about six about six inches above my head. I'm five foot six. Well, I got down and I walked out, and there was a there was a large opening, uh, and I I, I kind of squat down. And, and I looked through the opening, and w what I seen was black, and it stood up. And I thought, I said, man, I'll run up on a black bear or something. So I, I, I kind of moved over a little bit because I didn't want it to see me. And I got down and I looked, and it had brought itself out, and I got a side view of it. His chest was probably that wide. And all I seen was a silhouette of the side of him. I seen long hair, but it was only down to about about here. It wasn't all long down or nothing, but it was only about here. I seen no facial features at all. I wished I had, but I did. I didn't see this. So I said I watched him for maybe a minute or so, and I said, "Well, you know, I got to get out of here." So I turned real easy, and uh, I had a little low shotgun, a single shot Stevens. And uh, I walked out and got to the edge of the cornfield, I mean, edge of the soybean field. Well, I put, uh, I put around him a finger here, finger here, finger here, and I had one in the, in the uh, shotgun. And I sat there and I waited for about an hour, and it was getting hot. So I got up and I, I went back to the house. And I told my wife what I seen, and she kind of blew it off, you know. So I went ahead and took a shower, and I started thinking about this. I said, you know, it run over my mind over and over and over and over again. I said, well, what in the world did I see? It wasn't a bear, because I'm an avid hunter. My son's an avid hunter, and we have never, I, I have never seen nothing like that in the woods of my life. But anyhow, I went to the library, and of course they had all facials. Uh, I believed in Bigfoot since latter part of high school. And I went and got this magazine, opened it up, and then uh, these were all facial, right? You know, and but it didn't have no side views of them. Gotcha. And I, I got, I got, I got to where I get the facial. I wish I had seen the face of this thing, but I didn't. And by all, by all curiosity, uh, I guess you call it a fear or whatever. I never went back. Okay, Bobby. It when you saw it, how far do you think, me and you was talking, how far do you think you was away from it? It was roughly? about 25 yards. 25 yards. You saw the side, and you're talking about how wide was it from its chest to its back? Uh, I would say probably. Wow. Uh, it was probably two foot. Wow, okay. It was ever been, and then, and, and like I say, uh, his chest, when it come down, it, 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 it tapered off. Gotcha. Where his legs were. Right, gotcha. You didn't smell any smell, you said. There was no, no smell of such, no and that's smell good. At all. And no, it never made a sound. Never made a sound. It, okay. it, it, it didn't even look my way. It kept looking toward the creek. You you did make one more statement, we'll, we'll be done. You said it seemed like its mind was elsewhere. It didn't see you. It was it was focused on something else. That's exactly right. It it, it stood there like it was it was thinking. It's like, you know, yeah. what maybe what did I smell or what did I hear? I got you. Or, you know, and, and maybe where I go next. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bobby. Today is Friday, April the 13th, 2018. Thank you for sharing your story. Yes, sir. God bless. Next up is the devil himself, Drexel. This is defining the unknown. 
Greetings and salivations. I'm Drexel, homicidal artist extraordinaire, and I'm here to define the unknown on Luther's world. And today's word of the day is cryptozoology. See, cryptozoology comes from the Greek terms cryptos, which means hidden or secret, uh, zoon, which is animal, and logos, i.e. knowledge or study. So cryptozoology is the study and the pursuit of cryptids, uh, creatures traditionally considered mythical, folkloric, or previously extinct. Uh, maybe like the Bigfoot or Chupacabra or Loch Ness Monster or maybe Snuffleupagus. I, I don't know. Uh, but cryptozoology is considered a pseudoscience by mainstream scientists. It's neither a branch of zoology nor folklore studies. See, it was first originally founded in the 1950s by zoologist Bernard Hovelsman and Ivan T. Sanderson when they published their first book on the subject called On the Tracks of Unknown Animals in 1955. And see, while biologists regularly identify new species, cryptozoologists often focus on creatures from folklore record and stories. In their search for these entities, cryptozoologists uh, may employ devices such as motion-sensitive uh, cameras or uh, night vision equipment and audio recording equipment. And while there have been attempts to codify cryptozoological approaches, kind of like, uh, you know, biologist or zoologist or botanist and other academic disciplines, however, there are no accepted uniform or successful methods for pursuing cryptids. Because, I imagine. Mean, if you could just like major in cryptozoology in college and then you could get like a minor in Mothman because then I would totally be a Mothman Wrangler. Yeah, forget pro wrestling, forget deathmatch. I would be the greatest Mothman Wrangler around, guaranteed. <laughs> Luther? Luther! Want to stay in a spooky place? It's time for the Haunted Hotel. We go to one of the most haunted places in America. We're heading to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and we check into the Farnsworth House Inn. The inn is located right in the middle of Gettysburg, very close to Cemetery Hill. It was built in 1810 and today still has its original walls, flooring, and rafters. It played a major role in the Battle of Gettysburg, a three-day battle that saw many, many lives lost. The inn had been taken over by Confederate soldiers who were posted throughout, throughout the inn and snipers would pick off the nearby Union soldiers who were located at Cemetery Hill. On the third day of fighting, Union soldiers stormed the inn, killing all the Confederates inside. Many of these young soldiers' spirits still reside in the end to this day. They are still standing their post. Reports of footsteps on the stairs and pacing in the hallways at night, only to have no one there, are reported. And on quiet nights, the sound of a harp can be heard from up in the attic, an empty attic, the same attic the soldiers were posted in. Employees often hear footsteps behind them, following them as they go about their work day, but no one is there. Shadowy figures and ghostly shapes have been seen by many, especially in the dining room. Guests have reported in their rooms their mattresses visibly dipped, as if someone is sitting on it. There's also a ghost of a lady. She's in the inn, 
and she looks so real to guests. The guests have actually spoken to her, thinking she's a staff member. She is most often seen near the tavern or the kitchen, and on occasion in the restaurant area. So we are staying a night in Gettysburg, looking to stay a night at the Farnsworth House Inn. If you have a story that you want to share on the show, film yourself telling your tale, or write it out in full detail and email it to me at luthersworldmail at gmail.com and we'll use it on a future chapter. Thank you to all my readers and storytellers and mostly thanks to you, the viewers. Tell your friends about the show if you like it. Share it, like it, subscribe it. Until next time, let the chaos run strong and stay.